is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome. You found Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, and while I am an attorney, the Buzz Off show is not legal advice. Instead, it's a weekly look at all the buzz surrounding drones, autonomous vehicles, Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. Catch us each Wednesday from 2 to 3 in the afternoon on America's Web Radio or find podcasts of your favorite shows on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Look for Buzz Off, Lawyer Liz, and hopefully get in the know. Well, we've been talking the past few weeks on the Buster must. And this week is no different because we're going to chat with Rob Graham, our senior entertainment and political and elections correspondent, get his thoughts on the latest Guardians of the Galaxy on election hacking, what was going on on the other side of the pond over in France, and then move into a little bit more of the technical and industry side and chat with Jamie and Rusty from Gresco Technologies on all the latest in drones and really their uses as we move break out of the box. So with that, let's get started. And Rob, welcome to the show. Hi. And and Rob, you've entertained us before on the Buster Must with the Fast and the Furious was a must for an entertainment value, but a bust on a lot of the technology. Right. Has any of that changed? We have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Short take, Buster Must. Well, as a movie, it's it's a must. It took everything that we liked about the previous movie and and did it again and with more and with better. So, it, it, as a movie, it's it's a great movie. Well, and of course, with the Fast and the Furious, we could really take a look at. I mean, it was based in modern time. I mean, it was in the on planet Earth, shall we say? Whereas Guardians of the Galaxy, they have a little bit of a liberty in that they're in the future, they're in space. So the suspension of beliefs. It, isn't as big of a stretch and they've created you know it is the marvel universe but it's not it's not quite as grounded in the factual so with that in mind what what did you see in the movie that you thought yes i want that we need to have that now well there's a couple of things one of which is uh you know how how do the how do they get paid you know the guardians of the galaxy get paid apparently for their they're saving the galaxy, and um, in both movies, it keeps coming up as units. And what are units? And we can sort of imagine there's some sort of futuristic Bitcoin technology, or even where Bitcoin is digital, maybe the next level is quantum or something. I don't know. So, okay, you, you know, that absolutely will we'll have to get there, as certainly as if we're going to be jet-setting through different uh, as you've described for it, the wormholes. If we're going to, you know, time and space are not quite as linear as we think. But when it comes to one of the things that stuck out for me 
And this one was some of the fight scenes. We, we have that virtual reality and not to give too much of a spoiler, uh, but you do have, it's not manned spaceships. It's not manned aircraft. You've got the, they're, they've sent in the drones. Right. In, in the first movie, there's a huge death toll of, of people flying spaceships and dying in them. So in the, in the final scene, the big, the big battle scene, you had waves of these ships from the bad guy against waves of these ships from the good guy. And there are all these little small ships with a single pilot, you know, shooting things and stuff. And when they got hit, they got killed. And so the pilot died. And there are thousands of ships on each side. It's kind of actually cool because like in Star Wars, you know, you think of the future, and they only had, like, you know, 20 or 100 ships on the side. When you'd think, if it's a ship the size of a Death Star, you should have had waves and waves of tens of thousands of ships coming out of it. So, on scale, it was like that in the Guardians of the Galaxy, but still, they were all piloted. In Guardians of the Galaxy 2, they had similar sorts of scenes, but the ships weren't piloted. Instead, they were, as you said, in virtual reality pods back at the home world, on the home base, and when ships got destroyed, there was no pilot in the ship. It was just the ship got destroyed, so you didn't really care and feel bad about the, the poor person piloting them. Well, and it, it, it struck me, too. I mean, it, why didn't we have this in the others? Why have other, for example, Star Wars? I mean, you're sending the Jedi, and they're having these epic battles, and they're all manned as well. Like, what... What permitted the minds and guardians of the galaxy to kind of make that jump? It just is it because the technology is more readily available now? So yeah, I, I think we're we're living in. So they have this golden age of science fiction, like back in the forties and fifties and sixties and stuff, when you know the historic classic science fiction. You had you know um, submarines, you know forty thousand leagues under the sea and stuff. And now we're kind of in the dark ages of science fiction because not because the science fiction is bad, but because the science is so good. So we keep coming up with these developments that obsolete just whole genres of science fiction. You know, you, you can't look at a movie ten years old or, or older anymore because all these car chases are predicated on the fact that you don't have a cell phone that you can just call someone. You actually have to rush someplace to do something. And so cell phones have made like all old movies like obsolete. Um, and the same thing here with drones is we didn't have drones back in the day, really. We had, you know, things that were close, but not like it is today where someone can, a soldier can sit in a seat in, in Maryland or something and pilot a drone in Pakistan and bomb people because it's through satellite communications and stuff. And pol- public policy has changed now. Before we wouldn't bomb a country because we couldn't risk pilots getting shot down and captured. And now we can just send uh, autonomous uh, drones, which are the, the the missiles that we sent over Syria, or remotely piloted drones, like in Pakistan and Yemen and stuff, that when they get shot down, pilots don't get killed and they don't hit the news with, oh my god, this pilot's you know, been captured and stuff is being beheaded. So, um, so technology has obsoleted like all old films, like all the Star Wars films. We now go back and say, hey, why weren't they drones? Well, and even with what you know, we watched in the Guardians of the Galaxy, it had echoes for me, of, and particularly that scene, the movie Ender's Game, or excuse me, the book. Uh, the movie itself wasn't as good, but the book 
really highlighted and incorporated a lot of this technology that it, it was a foreshadowing that in Ender's Game you have the students using iPads or you know tablet computers years, years before any of this was really, I mean, before we even had laptops, that how do you have some of the authors getting it right, and particularly in the battle scenes, I mean, Ender's Game also picked up on that. I mean, you had the main character controlling uh, battles from, in his mind, he thought he was playing a game. Right. Though, still, you know, Ender's Game got so much right, but at the same time, all the ships were still manned, ultimately. He was remotely controlling, remotely directing manned ships, because the idea in the, in the books was that, you could, you, that they had to send slowly the people there, the communications across distances was instant. So you had to get the armies there first, and then have the general control of the armies. Well, and the other thing, too, is when you're looking or when watching these scenes in Guardians of the Galaxy where it, it really was, it had more of the gaming feel. It wasn't as serious about, I mean, it, granted, the, the film did not shy away from, as you put it, the body count. Right. I mean, it, but yeah, even body. when they, exactly, but when they did the, the big battle, I mean, it, people were treating each other you when one of the ships went down it seemed that it was just as you would uh, i've seen gamers uh, tease razz each other god you suck you know that kind of thing that yeah. there's two things about that that the control room was i think part of the the theme of the movie of a 1980s feel so that the little machines that were using the little booths, whatever they were controlling the uh, ships with, were kind of like an arcade that you had from the 1980s, even with the sounds being the same 8-bit sounds that you got in the 1980s. That You know, when things would beep, it would beep with one of those monotonal tonal sounds you had from, from back then. But uh, the other thing is, is that it's kind of obvious that Marvel is owned by Disney. That this is, you know, you know, we, you can see the future of a, of a, of a theme park, you know, attached to like Disney World or something. Is this all the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe with, you know, and this, and this drone controlling system is probably one of those attractions at the, at the, at the futuristic Disney theme, theme park. Futuristic yet having, you know, reculling the 80s. Remember the 80s, I guess. Right. So, I mean, cause it, one of the other things is, it, Perhaps to me it stood out as well is that you weren't you so many of the movies date themselves instantly because they're as you noted the cell phone technology doesn't translate well but perhaps it's the benefit of he was a child of the eighties who left Earth at the eighties so a lot of his technology or his cultural references stopped when he stopped participating in this society. Yeah, that's a great point, is is how this movie is sort of now going to be timeless classic because it already dated itself in the 80s. So it, And so it made the 80s timeless, I guess. Well, and, you know, they reference Cheers comes up a bunch, and yet you don't have to worry about, well, if someone's seen it or not, because all they have to do is go on Netflix, Hulu, iTunes, whatever, you know, BitTorrent, you can get 
the classic episodes and refresh yourself with them. I know that there's all these TV series that I go back in time now and watch. I go back and watch like, um, uh, what's the one? Wolf. Airwolf. Such a bad show that I loved as a child, which is really a horrible show. And, <laughs> and we, we can go back in time. Now, all this culture, you know, culture has been moving forward now for, for centuries. And now with recordings and stuff and Netflix is sort of like halted. Like we can all go back and watch these old shows that were so bad. Well, what's, what's old is new again and right. stuff like that, I guess. But I mean, the movie certainly referenced Knight Rider, which was funny because we're coming forward with that AI technology and autonomous vehicles now. Right. We get, we're almost, well, the car does talk to you. I mean, when I make a phone call, I talk to the car. It talks back and says, hey, do you want the home phone number or the, the cell phone number? No, under, understandable. And hopefully uh, not talking when, you know, disclosing too much information that you have on some folks. I mean, from an operational security standpoint, maybe you don't want the car being quite as loud and obvious. <laughs> but, well, excellent. Well, we will jump to our first commercial break. And after that, get into your thoughts on what's old is new again when it comes to elections. And it seems like we've heard the soundtrack before of Russians did it. But you're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare. Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, and we're talking today with our 
senior entertainment and political and elections correspondent and chief intern, Rob Graham. <laughs> and Rob, before the break, we were talking about, at least in movies, how what's old is new and new is old. And it seems like we've heard this same election song again. There's a, another election, another country, another email dump right before the election. And once again, drumroll please, we're going to blame Russia. Right. So what's going on? So last Friday, it's um, as, as is usual with hacker dumps, they tend, they tend to like Fridays because then... Um, that screws with everyone because then everyone's like rushing and scrambling and stuff, and no one knows, knows what to do because half half the office is out of the office. But especially for the French election, the uh, by by French law, there's a blackout two days before the election. So the runoff election is on Sunday, so the blackout starts on Friday at midnight. So uh, the hackers release this shortly before Friday at midnight French time. And it's nine gigabytes worth of emails and files of uh, supporters of one of the candidates, the anti-Putin candidate. The other candidate is a very pro-Putin candidate. You just like saying Putin, don't you? Putin's like a great word, man. I mean, it sounds dirty already without you actually having to, to, to smirk or giggle about it. Well, so pro-Putin... Uh Everything comes out, and was it high-level folks in the campaign, or middle-level, or housewives uh, for the candidate? No, it is high-level supporters. Uh, one of them is a member of the legislature. Who's uh, this, this candidate has a, his new party called On March, which means on the march, I guess. And um, it, it's a new, so it's sort of a breakaway. It's not like. Uh, European politics is more dynamic than the, the static politics we have here of only two official parties. So um, there's a lot of there's constant changes in France with the, who's the major parties and who's not. So you have some relatively high-level volunteers, supporters, uh, other elected officials. And as opposed to the U.S. Uh, election dump of, you know, similarly just one party really got picked on. Right. But picked on isn't the right word necessarily because they certainly had some of their dirty laundry aired. Is that what we saw here? Uh, It wasn't as dirty, at least you know, it's it's not gigabytes of stuff. So we have to read... We we can run some things, some scans to go find quickly some scandalous stuff, maybe. But otherwise, we have to read each of these emails one by one, and it's really boring. I try to... um, Half of it's spam, of course, because apparently these people don't know how to use spam filters on their emails. Um, And... uh, What you're saying is there's something to be said for not running a spam filter, because then it creates a lot of noise in your email inbox and helps you hide the really naughty, salacious details. Right. So when I, uh, there was one email that was kind of interesting. It was the, the elected uh, legislator, his assistant was buying meth online and having it delivered... To his office in in the the, the parliament building in, in France, um, and it's, it's legal meth because it's what what is kind of confusingly called bath salts in the United States is they take meth and they make a variation on it, 
that is technically a different chemical, so therefore it's not covered by any previous law until the lawmakers rush to then go fix that hole, and then they make a new change, and then the whole process starts over again. So well, you're saying it was research because that way, right. you know, how do the lawmakers know what to ban until some poor staffer has tested it and said, "Yep, you can get." Loopy as a loon and high as a kite on this stuff. This is some good stuff. It's funny you say that because the online seller points out that this is not legal for consumption by human beings. It's only it's only a chemical for lab research, and you have to promise you'll only use it for lab research and not consume it in order to buy it online. Well, of course, pinky promise. Right, and then of course all the reviews of it are like you know how good how how good of a high it gives you. From reputable research labs, all of course. Uh, I assume it's you know, why. Who else would it would do it? So it's, exactly. So it's legal in some countries. So it's it's a seller in the Netherlands who then ships it um, to the, the person. Now many people thought this, thought this was so crazy that it couldn't possibly be a real email. That this has to be a, one of the forged emails. But I checked it out, and the, the Bitcoin payment is a valid payment. And um, the shipping uh, the shipping code uh, tracking code was a valid shipping code. That it was indeed shipped. There was a package of 0.22 kilograms sent from the Netherlands to to this place in Paris. So um, it's a valid shipping code. So as, as a hoax, it, it, it's reached the complexity that it's no longer really an email hoax. If this is a hoax, it's it's done by someone who actually goes online and buys the drugs and ships it to someone. So somebody went all in if this was going to be a hoax. Right. You know, I, I can do it right now. I can just go online and, and buy, you know, $100 worth of meth and ship, well, ship it to uh, to uh, Ted Cruz or something, or Ted Cruz's assistant in, in the Capitol building, and, you know, have, have set my email address to be that guy's email address, and all look the same, pretty much. Well, and while I am an attorney, and I am not your attorney for this show, um, if I were such counsel, I might tell you, um, don't do that. <laughs> Despite how much entertainment value we on the Buzz Off show would get from it, uh, I do not think that uh, Senator Cruz's office would be in on the joke. Or if they were, that's a sign of some bigger issues. So the, the point was being that it, it could still be a hoax, of course, but it's one that doesn't actually require hacking emails and forging emails to, 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 to complete. And you're saying out of all of the documents dumped, that's it. That's all anyone has found. So that's the mean, most salacious thing. And since it is legal, it's 3-MMC, it's which as far as my research can, can confirm is indeed legal in France. Um, but not hands-on research, right? Well, for research. You can use it for laboratory research. Well, and the election was Sunday. And from all accounts of fairly decisive uh, vote. What was the point of bring, dumping all of this on Friday if it was going to be so boring? Yeah, it appears to have a no effect. So the end result was the same as the polls said going into the vote. So it appears to have no effect. Most you know, so people have been, been been thinking of like some sort of conspiracy theory about what it might what 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 the hackers are after. Like they don't care about changing the vote so much as as discrediting the winner or something like that. But are they after aliens? Or after aliens, who knows? But and I think it's more simple than that. If, if you're a young hacker assigned to like go find what you can, 
it's, hacking is opportunistic. They, they couldn't hack the accounts that they wanted to hack. These were just the five, six accounts that they were able to hack. So they so they, they couldn't choose who they wanted to hack. They tried to hack everyone that was involved, and this is the only five they got. So instead, it's like, well, here's what we got. I spent all this effort doing it. I, 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 I'm going to dump it anyway just because after all this effort, I want people to see my work, right? And so I think that's as far as the thinking has gone. Maybe it's sort of a long-term strategy, though, you can think of that anyone who, who goes against Putin they're going to have their emails dumped during the election. So you're in Canada now. You're going to run for office, and you're going to say, "Well, do I do I talk to, you know um, crap about Putin? No, maybe I won't because I don't want hackers to come after me." So say so you talk about Putin, you get popped. Right. It's a different kind of popping. Right. So if there's a long term strategy, that's the strategy I think it would be is just just a politician don't talk trash about Putin. So let's just say. Where do you see the next one coming up? I mean, are U.S. elections obviously still targeted? I mean, there's stuff coming out every day. We still have state and local races. You know, France come and gone. Who who's on the hit list next? Well, there's always European elections coming up. I don't know of any country that's that has a well. Uh, UK is going to have a new election soon, apparently. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what's interesting is is now that this has become a well-known threat, is how how much more are people going to to leave their email so insecure? Are politicians going to finally wake up and say, hey, you know, maybe I should do something to secure my email so that fish, simple phishing attacks doesn't hack, hack me? Well, you know, there's only so much warning or uh, things you can give. You would have thought even with everything that got on the U.S., but is it something where, oh, that only happens to the U.S., surely won't happen to us? Quite the reverse. Um, one of the things that, the, that that campaign talked about was going after the phishing campaigns, like it, uh, um, not simply avoiding you know, falling victim to it, but, but setting up pseudo-accounts to give pseudo-targets to, to make it very difficult for them to fish because there'd be so many passwords with accounts that actually weren't real that would look real. And so to waste their time, so they knew about the threat actually going in, and yet they still got popped. Well, and it's similar to campaigns, even for as long as I've worked on in politics and on political things, is you always salted your data. You put a couple of little tidbits here there, so that if you if you did, and this is more of the heart of. Uh, old school type, if someone got your database, you could tell and, you know, and started contacting folks, you could tell because you'd put in some false information to so this one email account. I mean, And I'm saying there's some folks I know who've taken that approach. Uh, I don't know, Mr. Rob Graham creating email accounts that if that email account started getting spam, you knew where the, you know, the source of the breach. Actually, there is an active defense concept like that. Where you salt things, um, where you put web bugs in your in your Word document, so that the every time someone opens up the document in Word, it generates a web request back to your server, and that tells you not only that someone has stolen the document, but also that roughly where they are. You can do the same thing in email. A lot of automated tools I would use to scan the emails will also follow any links in those emails. And so having emails, again, that are salted specifically so that anyone who visits that URL, visits that website, could only have done so coming from having hacked my email account. 
So there are lots of ways to salt your stuff in order to make hacking, to find out if you've been hacked and who might be the hacker. Well, so as an as the entertainment reporter, uh, right. we, of course, will be uh, using our large show budget to send you on-site. Uh, are there areas, I mean, can we can we send you to the sixth sixth district in Georgia to get some live uh, campaign reporting? <laughs> sure, I yes. Well, it, it comes to play because Georgia has had rumored issues with the you know, other aspects of the elections. How do you? How does this kind of fall into the? You know, have the databases been corrupted or the voting machines? On a level you know, comparison, these kinds of document dumps are they you know, scarier? Less? You know, where? Where's the real concern? Well, in terms of hacking voting machines, uh, there was just the uh, Senate hearing today where they grilled. Uh, Clapper and Sally Yates on whether any any voting machines have been hacked, and currently the our belief is having tracked down many such rumors that no voting machines were hacked in the last election. It's all about uh, perception rather than actually hacking anything of substance and changing how people feel towards a candidate. Well, Rob, we thank you for your insights, invaluable and entertaining as always, and uh, we look forward to your field report. Uh, from Georgia's upcoming election in June. Until then, thank you for joining the show. Valuable and entertaining as always, and uh, we look forward to your field report uh, from Georgia's upcoming election in June. Until then, thank you for joining the show. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, Or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Your auto love and investment demands the best. And for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz. And now that we've had Rob's introduction and movie review, we need to get on to the more serious side of the technology buzz this week. And, well, of course, I'm partial to drones. And when... As being a sufferer of mosquito season, when I started reading about a Louisiana parish identifying the need for some drones to battle their mosquito population and go into spraying, I thought, who do I know that can 
really shine a light on some of the crazier and serious ways that drones are getting used outside of the hobby uh, realm. And so we have joining us today Jamie and Rusty, both technology and drone experts, aviation experts in their own right with Gresco Technology Solutions. So Jamie and Rusty, welcome to the show. Thanks, Liz. Thank you. And we were talking about some of the craziest stuff. What, I mean, with your company, y'all are based in Georgia, correct? That's right. Yep. Just north side of Macon is our, our corporate headquarters. Ah, fantastic. Well, uh, if y'all get any requests for spraying in that area, may I request the Barnesville area? Uh, because <laughs> y'all, y'all handle... Good target, right? <laughs> Exactly. Anything in Georgia below the Nat line, the noceums, the gnats, the mosquitoes. But y'all handle both the services side and as well as you're a major distributor for DJI. What have I what have I missed? That's right. So uh we we are a distributor and we've our background is in the electric utility industry. Um our company's been around since nineteen sixty. And uh, we're we're kind of a unique distributor where we are actually owned by electric utilities, um, and so they're the CEOs. Electric utilities sit on our board, but uh, we are in the most traditional sense a distributor. We have giant warehouses and we store stock everything that keeps the lights on for electric power companies. Um, and so, on when it comes to technology products and UAS. We have uh, we, we stock DJI products uh, along with a lot of other accessory items. Um, so we do the the supply chain function there. Um, we also do training. Uh, so we offer training um, to industrial users. Um, and then, uh, as far as services, we don't have any in-house services that we offer outside of supply chain services. Um, it's mostly we'll, we'll, we contract out for for service type work. We don't have crews that go out and do actual jobs. But y'all are the ones in charge, so when the utilities are looking for this stuff, you're the experts they come to. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of questions that come along with it as well. So um, so especially especially when it gets down to the nitty-gritty when you're talking about specific platforms uh, and equipment. Uh, so, yeah, that's right. Now, being interested, do y'all have your own drones that you're flying at home or are you strictly keeping it nine to five on the business side? So Rusty definitely has drones that he flies on his own at home. And I am not from the, the UAS or from the drone world. I was never really interested in drones until I realized that the drone market was really taking off and I became interested in it really quickly so i actually have a a toy drone that i crash on a regular basis at home and that's kind of what we use to get going uh, before we start flying the expensive dji drones uh, we we get the the toy drones that don't have gps and they can't fly themselves so that's i'll let rusty tell you a little bit about he has he has a pretty cool cool drone that he just got I, I, I say on behalf of the company's insurers um oh. I'm sure they would thank you for doing your test flying on right. <laughs> not the expensive ones. Yeah. But, so, Rusty, what are you flying? I, I actually, I, I've got a little bit of a hobbyist background in it, um, and and I 
I, I haven't, you know, I think with all of the drone world, a lot of this has come up so quickly and the technology has grown so quickly that, um, that you know, the the lifespan of, of the people who've been in for a long time, or it's got a, it's, it's a it's a wide range. So mine, I started, you know, probably about three years ago um, and just hobbing with drones and some small toy drones. Um, I had a 3D Robotics Solo when that came out um, and just a lot of fun making videos and, and the like. But my, my industry that I've grown up in is the electric utility industry. So it, it was very obvious after starting to play with some toy drones that this is going to impact my industry um, in a big way. And so I uh, started looking into that and trying to read any article I could find You know, from <laughs> – from any any media source I could find talking about drones intersecting with utilities um, became a, a passion. Um, and then, you know, there's still some hobbying going on the side, and but that's that's really you know where you cut your teeth and uh, and learn to operate, learn your stick skills um, is is on a lot of the toy drones which don't have a lot of the advanced features um, that don't have you know altitude holds or or GPS holds. Um, and and well, find the device. It's it's much easier. You learn a lot more of the mechanics behind the the aviation side of the flying. I mean, as much as we joke about the FAA's classification of UAS of drones as aircraft, at the same time, the same a lot of the same concepts are going to apply. Of you know the lift, the thrust. Uh, and how how these aircraft or how these drones are staying aloft and you certainly hit the nail on the head when it's getting that stick time and really learning and I think a lot of us once you get out of school or even if you don't take the traditional school path the technology is moving so fast if you're not immersed in it you're going to miss something and that's probably the best way to learn about that so kudos gentlemen for getting now uh what are some of the more interesting things that y'all or developments that you're seeing coming out of the industry let's see um see that that's a good question so when in industrial type applications there are all kinds of, of dreams that have come out of the works, out of the woodworks. You know, can we use a drone for this or that? Um, and a lot of those were, were kind of pipe dreams. And, uh, and there have been kind of some stabilization on the use cases. So, um, we've been seeing some trends, you know, towards the more, most, you know, value centric use cases coming out, coming, rising to the surface. Um, but there's still a lot of, you know, ones that we, we don't expect to hear. And, and sure enough, somebody's out there doing it and it seems to make sense. So, um, let's see. I- well, there's been a big evolution, it seems, from the, for a while it was everyone doing the, oh, the videography side, the film, the photography. But as the aircraft grow up, the industry grows, or I'd say we're no longer toddlers. We're more kind of in the, the middle school phases of development, perhaps. And it, you, I've noticed a lot more use of the infrared, the LIDAR, kind of that side of things. Is that holding true for what y'all are seeing? Uh, definitely, definitely. So, the, uh, but I would say... 
in a lot of the industrial users that we are interfacing with, um, initially they were reaching out to contractors, you know, during the 333 era, and and because it didn't make sense to do a lot of their testing in house. Only the larger uh, enterprises were doing internal testing, um, but then. Once Part 107 rolled out, it really shifted the market from our perspective. Um, there were a lot of uh, a, lot, a lot of people, you know, say, "Hey, it, instead of spending money on bringing some contractors in to do some work, why don't we test internally?" I think that will shift back to a happy medium eventually. Um, but in in this, I'd say since 107, the last whatever it's been nine, ten months, uh, there's been. Uh, just a huge uptick on on drone programs starting within these enterprise industrial uh, groups, um, and I think- and when you say that, the, so you're saying that they're doing more of the the flight training or just utilization in general. So they they're starting up programs, which you know I think every enterprise that starts it realizes it's a it's a little bit longer road than you expect because. There's a lot of I's to dot and T's to cross, and uh, the devil's in the details, and there's there's a lot of that going on. So they um, so there's a lot of education internal that they go through as they're setting other programs. But it, it usually starts with you know, okay, how do we get a how do we get a remote pilot certificate, um, and then after after that's taken care of, then it's all right. Well, let's buy a drone, something you know, small to get started with. Um, and see its capabilities. So then there'll be some team that's assigned, you know, internally. It might be cross-functional. gets pulled together. Um, they're they're asked a lot of questions on where they see the highest, uh, the lowest hanging fruit, highest value use cases. Um, there's a lot of discussions, a lot of testing. They go to remote sites to uh, to try to do testing. You know, they might a lot of them have training yards. Uh, where they they have training for their their employees and you know a lot of you know less hazardous places that are mocked up so that they can test things out in a safe environment um, and then they you know they go to testing and see what kind of results they get they get the data back is it useful is it not uh, can we expect you know everyone in the organization to be able to do this or do you have to be more highly trained they start uh, even stratifying uh, their internal certification of who's allowed to do what um, so. There's a lot to the programs as they get built, but um, but I think having the accessibility of now they are legally able to, to get equipment and go out there and try it for themselves, um, there's been a, a huge effort upswing uh, the last several months in that. Now, where does where do y'all with your company? Uh, where does a lot of the testing? Do y'all have uh, you know fields and stuff set up, or do you have to find you know basically rent other people's locations? Yeah, so we we have you know really strong relationships with a lot of our customers. So a lot of our customers, they you know they love the technology and they want to see what it's capable of. So um, so we do testing at a lot of our customer sites. Um, they, they invite us out and we'll go out and and you know whatever it is that they're interested in doing, we'll we'll take some equipment out and and test it out. Um, so y'all are getting a lot of hands on in the field industry. It, as opposed to the the mock drills of, well, pretend that's you know a, a tower, you know, <laughs> pretend that you're you're getting to actually play around with the tower, right? And so, so a lot of our customers, being the, the electric utilities, they have to do training years in advance of when they can go out the linemen and, and they'll so they we have right next to our facility uh, at Gresco, uh, north of Macon, we have a facility where there's telephone poles and there's wires and there's all kind of 
real world looking that aren't, aren't char- they don't have power to them. So we can go out there and fly around those, and we've done that. So a lot less likely to to blow something up or to burn something up when we're we're dealing because it's it's all Excellent. fake, but it's it looks perfect. And again, on behalf of uh, the residents of Georgia, we thank you for not accidentally knocking out our power with drones. <laughs> yeah, well, happy to not knock out power. <laughs> I mean, our, our travel logistics, our roadways are already bad enough. If we can't get anywhere, at least we should have power when we get home, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, and you bring up some interesting issues we'll pick up right after this break, but really looking at how you develop that expertise and where you all see the trends going. But you're listening to Buzz Off with a Lawyer Liz on America's The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Catch us each Wednesday on AmericasWebRadio.com from 2 to 3 in the afternoon Eastern, as well as find the podcast versions on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, your favorite podcast streaming service, and that is Lawyer Liz. And right before the break, we were talking with Jamie and Rusty from Gresco on some of the things they've seen and where they see trends in using unmanned systems in the utility sphere, but we were making jokes about the Atlanta uh, transportation woes, and you know it's bad when I-20 actually buckled because they were sending, I think they were testing some gas lines under the interstate put in a little bit too much, caused the interstate to ramp, and a poor unsuspecting motorcyclist uh, became an unwitting evil Knievel. Uh, yeah, that kind of uh, testing and other stuff could be, you know, that's one of the areas unmanned systems could come into play, be it uh, through cameras and stuff. Gentlemen, have y'all seen any such things come up in your work when it comes to the creative uses how can we how can we not add to atlanta's traffic woes <laughs> so really what we've seen is is the excitement from the of course the electric utility side and 
Um, even more so, uh, if, you, if you take a drone in front of you know a bunch of electric utility guys, they get really excited. Um, if you amplify that, I mean, times ten, you put it in front of public safety or, or police officers or um, fire, search and rescue. I mean, there's tons of uses for them. Uh, but some of the stuff that these guys are using that are they're actually using them for, and will be um, one of the things is ac- accident reconstruction um, and accident investigations. So if an accident happens, uh, say on I twenty, um, such as a motorcyclist becoming evil, can evil. Yes. Say, say if a, a, bub- a bubble just happens to pop up in the middle of the road, um, bridges have been known to collapse. Um, heard of that? Allegedly. Yes, yeah. yes. Don't jinx us again. It's right. almost fixed. That's right. So uh, things like that, really just traffic accidents, major traffic accidents. Um, what they're doing is they're, the traffic investigator gets on, on scene and it might take them 20 minutes to get there. And if it's a major accident or, or a, a fatality in particular, they can't move the accident until the accident scene investigator takes pictures uh, 360 pictures of the skid marks, everything that goes along with what caused the accident so they can take that. And then they'll take all the information and take their camera back to their office and they'll do the calculations and everything kind of to um, just see what exactly happened. Um, what they're doing now, and this this is something that you can really, I guess, quantify when it comes to um, getting people moving again in Atlanta. And there's some astronomical number that goes along with every minute that traffic is stopped or every minute that a, a four lane road has to be held up or an interstate, um, costs a crazy amount of money to the, the city or the state and everybody that's involved. So what they're doing is showing up on scene with a, a DJI, a Phantom or Inspire, Mavic, something, something that's reasonable size that they just grab out of their trunk, you know, put it down. Five minutes later, they're they're up above the accident scene. Take two or three pictures, um, fly it back down, throw it in their trunk, and they take off. And then they can go ahead and begin the process of moving the cars off the road. I mean, it's it's cutting these these two three hour uh, traffic stops down to to minutes. And I would love to have the numbers back from it. And and that's part of what we're going to do down here at the uh, the IPTM symposium in Orlando this week this next week. Uh, let's try to get some of those numbers so that we can take these back to the the public safety uh, entities that are that are local and, and nationwide, and, and really try to spread the word on on what these are the drones are being used for. Well, especially with the lidar and some of the other infrared and uh, the cameras and the sensors that are serving as payloads now. I mean, you can get images below the surface, uh, the roadway surface, to tell. Uh, Let's just go back to our hypothetical bridge example. But if you're worried about the, you know, if you're worried about the structure itself, uh, you know, whether there's going to be an issue, using some of these, you can get better data. I mean, that to me is invaluable, not only in cutting down the time, but the the public safety, the actual safety side of it, so that we don't have, you know, perhaps we can forego the next uh, collapse uh, due to fire or just wear and tear have y'all have y'all had a chance to play around with any of that yet see as far as uh, other sensors uh, definitely the thermal there's a lot of things that are indicated by thermal Um, and then uh, in in different spheres uh, there's just 
different wavelengths of light you know can be used to to take measurements and get indications of, of early failures on on different items so um, there are you know ultraviolet sensors out there and, and just complete packages you know of multi sensors where there's you know hyperspectral output um, from you know thermals through near infrared all the way through visible light and into to ultraviolet ranges um, so and we see those applied in a lot of different places so uh, a, a lot of failing equipment heats up, and that's kind of nature of a lot of uh, failure modes. Um, is seeing heat. Uh, w- one of the actually in, in electric utilities, I know that one of the biggest paybacks has been on solar farm installations. Being able to fly over a large solar farm and spot where cells have gone bad because they will heat up uh, when there's a bad cell on a panel. Um, but and and then you know even down into vegetation management, which hits a lot of different uh, areas, um, it's you know any of the utilities that have pipelines or transmission lines, um, being able to take an assessment of the vegetation, uh, do a NDVI kind of measurements to see the health of of the plants in the area, and that's that's all using those you know hyperspectral Im- image packages, um, and then DOT is. You know, use that now, and that's uh, was just at a, a conference with uh, DOT for vegetation management um, a few weeks ago, and and that was one of the topics there is you know being able to scan along along the highways to see are there are the trees that are dead that are you know threats to fall into you know into the roadways. Um, so well, yeah, there's a lot of uh, of advanced sensor technology that's being applied. So when we're looking at these trends, it, it seems like, especially in where y'all have traveled and attending conferences as well as your work, it's testing the in- integrity of both the infrastructure, being able to identify, but it, uh, as you were just talking about with the trees on the roadsides, it's kind of like those hidden dangers that you wouldn't have thought about or wouldn't necessarily be able to get to with a naked eye that you're seeing drones come in, especially as, for example, states like Georgia, we're heading into tornado and kind of that those the spring and summer months of the severe weather. I can see a big play for that as well, both on the search and rescue as well as the damage assessment. Is that part of the trends or a fair assessment of the trends that y'all are seeing? Right. That's exactly right. And I don't know if you remember a few months ago down in South Georgia. I know you have family that way. Um, in way South Georgia, uh, uh, F4 or 5 tornado came through and, and uh, tore just, Tons did tons of destruction, and uh, some of our customers are down there. Some EMCs uh, that are that were right in the middle of it, and you know they lost houses and power lines and just total destruction of. They said it was a 75 mile an hour uh, long strip, a mile wide, where it just cleared the land completely off. So that EMC or one of the one of the companies that's down this in that area um, came up that next week and and bought a drone from us. They said we won't be Going, you won't go through another one of these disasters without one because just getting to the area with that kind of destruction, I'm, I mean, a mile wide, they can't drive in there. They can't do anything but basically climb over trees and power poles. And I mean, trying to manage, I mean, not to mention the destruction that's happening to the people's houses and, and the, the devastation that's going on. It's actual just the physical 
act of getting to see how many poles you need to reorder to get power back up or how many transformers are down. And so the guys came up immediately and got one and started flying, and they went through the the Part 107 class that, that uh, Gresco puts on um, to get their their license and become FAA certified so they can get out and fly commercially. And, uh, yeah, it's there's just... There's a lot. It's, it's the access to the areas that the drones are are able mm-hmm. to provide that you wouldn't have in addition to the assessment of the areas i mean that's going to be key and critical when it comes to some of these uh, first responder situations now how quickly from the time the customer you know the tornadoes hit i mean that area of georgia has just been hammered several times this year but how quickly were they able from you know date of the storm to coming to y'all getting the aircraft getting the training i mean what was the turnaround time on that yeah so they you know they went through the storm and whenever whenever a storm like that hits it's all hands on deck you know trying to get restoration going so it wasn't until after the storm restoration was complete before the ceo you know gave the mandate you you better go buy a drone right now so um so it was afterwards that they came to us um, and they, they were just trying to prepare for the next time, but um, but yeah, from the time that you know came, they they you know we did some flight demos with them, you know, show them kind of the equipment and what it's capable of. Uh, they they went back, made their decisions on what they're going to get, and then um, then you know this is all kind of stuff we keep in stock, so they were able to get it right away. But uh, we, they the time they took, we have a one day course, kind of a. Uh, it's it's a packed day uh, on you know getting getting up to speed on part 107 and and just aviation in general um, and so a- aviation safety airspace safety um, so after that I believe it was another week or two they they felt like they were ready and went and took the test and you know from from that point you know there's the week and a half or so of of the application waiting for their background check and then they're they're good to fly. That's fantastic. And I imagine not only with Gresco, but other companies being able to kind of fill that void that the emergency uses will be able to jump in. And so we've been talking with Jamie and Rusty from Gresco Technology and about some of the trends on where you see first responders in the utility uh industry and infrastructure so gentlemen where can folks find out more about your company so you can find us at gresco.uas.com that's our website um, you can also find us uh, on youtube our youtube channel is gresco utility supply gresco utility supply yeah. and we're kind of still merged with our, our parent company gresco utility uh, we're on linkedin at gresco utility supply you can find me at Jamie Ghost. Yeah, I mean, I'm Rusty Ortiz uh, on LinkedIn. Um, it's a funny last name. It's O R T K I E S E. My my, my name's kind of funny as well. It's G G O S E. Goss, Goose, Jose. Yeah, whatever. It's actually pronounced Ghost. So. Excellent. Well, gentlemen, thank you for joining the show today. Best of luck. And next time we need to, you know, rescue, search, or, you know, steal a tea off the top of the tower at Georgia Tech, we know who to call. <laughs> You've been listening to Buzz Off with Law. 
This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.